the signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor Have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty? The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. So it's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we we think on this uh, story a little bit together, let's just pray. Lord Jesus... Change my life through your word. Do whatever you want. Amen. So, could praying put you in danger? Could going to church risk your life? Could following Jesus cost you your job, your home, your family. Well, I suspect that for most of us, if not all of us in this room, the answer is no. No, praying doesn't put us in danger. Though I do sometimes wonder whether if an alien were to come and to see how we pray, whether they might think that perhaps it did. No, going to church doesn't risk our life. It might risk our street cred. It might risk a lion on a Sunday morning. But that's probably about it. And no, following Jesus isn't likely to cost us our job, our home, or our family. It might make us feel a bit of a black sheep in a family, like we don't belong. But for most of us, that's probably about as hard as it will get. And yet for many people around the world today, it's a very different story. So our mission partner, Open Doors, who works with uh, the persecuted church worldwide, estimates that one in seven Christians around the world experiences a high level of persecution. So I just want to demonstrate what that looks like. Okay, So I'm going to number off in sevens. And if every seventh person that I number could stand up, just to give us an idea. Okay. So if you're number seven, please stand up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 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 One, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Okay. Take a, take a look around and imagine each of these people standing up faces a high level of persecution for their faith. So that might mean that they're kicked out of their families. Their families don't want to know them anymore. That might mean that they're not allowed to go to certain schools or universities. That might mean that if they're found in possession of a Bible, they could be arrested. That might mean that some of them could just be killed on the spot. These people. How does that make you feel? Sorry, you can, you can sit down now. Thank you. Thank you for being my persecuted Christians. But how does that make you feel? Thinking that for all of those people who stood up, that story in Daniel isn't a story. It's what they face every day. So Daniel, as we know, was living in a faraway uh, place called Babylon, far away from his homeland. He'd been taken there as a young man and forced to learn uh, how to work for the Babylonian government, helping to run the empire that had destroyed his homeland. Well, he'd done well in his studies, and he'd proven himself to be trustworthy. The king made him, uh, trusted him and looked to him for good advice. But this also made the king's other advisors quite jealous. Why should he be our boss? He isn't even from Babylon. And the other leaders looked for ways to get Daniel into trouble. But Daniel didn't cheat. He didn't steal. He didn't lie. What were they going to do? Then one of them had a sneaky idea. They knew that Daniel loved God very much and prayed to God three times a day. Maybe they could use that against Daniel. So Daniel's enemies persuaded the king to make a new law. Oh, your magisterial brightness. Please make a law saying that anyone who prays to anyone, but you, O oh magisterial brightness of perfection, should be cast into a den of hungry lions. And if anyone breaks the law, well, to the lion pit it is. Well, the king thought, hmm, I like the idea of people praying to me. Sounds good. Let's make it a law. So he made this new rule, and Daniel's enemies waited outside, listening for signs that he was praying to his God. So what would Daniel do? If he obeyed the king of Babylon, he would stay safe. If he obeyed God, the true king of everyone and everywhere, he would be a lion's lunch. Safety or lion lunch? What would Daniel choose? What would you choose? I wonder what it would cost you not to pray for 30 days. I wonder whether it would actually be much of a loss to you. Would you notice the difference? Well, Daniel could have skipped praying for 30 days. 
Or he could have prayed in his closet or under his bed so that no one could hear, no one could see. But he didn't. Daniel kept praying just the way he had always prayed, in his room with the windows wide open, looking out towards Jerusalem. But Daniel didn't want to be lion food, but he also knew that his relationship with God was more important than anything else. Daniel knew that God was bigger than the lions, bigger than anything any of us could ever face. He's a great big God. He didn't want to get thrown to the lions, but he was going to trust God no matter what. Now, Daniel's enemies, well, they heard him praying at the window, and they rushed to tell the king, Oh, magisterial brightness of perfection, Daniel is praying to his God. And the king was sad because Daniel was really, really good at his job, and he didn't want to throw Daniel into the den of lions. So he tried to find a way to save him, but he couldn't. The law was the law. So when the sun went down, Daniel was taken to the den of huge, hungry lions and thrown in. And a stone was placed over the top. And the last words the king spoke as he went in was, Daniel, I hope your God can save you. That night, the king couldn't sleep. He didn't even want to watch Netflix. He tossed and turned all night long wondering what had happened to Daniel. Then in the morning, he rushed back to the lion's den, rolled back the stone, and called in, Daniel, has your God been able to save you from the lions? He listened for a reply. Yes, O king, I'm not hurt. God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths. God saved me. Daniel, was safe. And when he was lifted out of the den, there wasn't even a single scratch on him. Daniel had trusted God, and God had saved him. Then, because the king was such an important king, he wrote to all the peoples in all the countries of his empire, saying, Daniel's God is the living God. He is the real king of everyone and everywhere, now and forever. He saves his people. It's an incredible story, isn't it? Why didn't Daniel just stop praying for 30 days? Why did Daniel choose to become lion lunch over saving his life? Well, I wonder whether this verse from Psalm 63 gives us a clue. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Daniel knew that God's love is better than life itself. And we can carry on knowing God's love even after we die. What gave Daniel the courage to face the lions was the love he experienced from God. God's love for Daniel And Daniel's love for God was even more ferocious than the lions he was thrown to. He had to choose between God and life. He chose God. And so I want to ask you, first of all, do you know that God's love is better than life itself?
So we're going to sing now. So if you're able, would you please stand and let's sing to God. Battle belongs to you. Help us to fight every battle we face on our knees. Amen. Well, please do take a seat. As we said again, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a woman from Iran, one of the hardest places to be a follower of Jesus, Uh, number nine on uh, the world watch list of uh, hardest places to live as a follower of Jesus. Uh, And her friends call this woman Beautiful Annie. Beautiful Annie was ill. She had a dream in which Jesus appeared to her and told her where the sickness was in her body. And as a result, she went to the doctor, and the doctor saw it, and she was healed. And and, uh, beautiful auntie told her family about what had happened. They weren't yet Christians, but they became followers of Jesus. The people of Iran, well, they don't want people to become friends of Jesus. So they tried to stop her telling anyone. They arrested her. And they asked her questions for hour after hour. And they demanded, stop telling people about Jesus. But she just kept telling them the story of how Jesus had changed her life. I I don't think you heard me. I said, I was really ill, and Jesus appeared to me in a vision and told me exactly in my body where the illness was, and I was healed. Yeah, that's fine. You can tell your friends, you, you, you can tell your family about it. Just don't tell anyone else. Don't know, I don't think you heard me. I was ill, and Jesus appeared to me in a dream, told me exactly where the, the, the illness was, and I was healed. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. Glad that you're healed. Don't tell anybody. No, no, you haven't understood. I was ill, and Jesus appeared, and it went on like that, this interrogation. And so they got so fed up with talking to beautiful Annie that they just let her go. They weren't getting anywhere. Well, eventually, the authorities took away her home and everything in it. But before they took away her home, a young soldier told her that she could go into her house and bring out any of her valuables, any money or jewelry with her, and that she could keep those without getting in trouble. So she went into her house, and she picked up two Bibles, one under each arm, and walked out of her house. And she said to the soldier, these are my treasure." Beautiful Annie's son is now in prison. And when she goes to the prison to visit him, she often will look for another prisoner there. And instead of talking to her son, we'll talk to that other prisoner and tell her the same story she told the guards who were interrogating her. I was ill. Jesus appeared to me a vision, told me exactly where the illness was and healed me. And often, people would 
also put their trust in Jesus and she would say, see that guy over there? He's my son. He'll help you in the next steps. And so she's started up this evangelistic ministry in the middle of an Iranian prison. Now, you and I probably won't have to make any choices quite that difficult. But perhaps for us, being a Christian, being a friend of Jesus, might mean being called names. It might mean people thinking that we're weird. Well, weirder than, you know, already. It might think that, you know, it might mean that we're not very popular at school. It might mean that we don't feel it's right for us to take part in something that everyone else is doing. It might mean that it feels like we have to speak up for something that we know that God would make God sad, even though, again, lots of people are doing it. It might mean that we feel like a bit of a black sheep in our families or among our friends. It might even mean that some people don't want to be friends with us anymore. And so the big question is, is Jesus worth it? Well, if following Jesus meant people thinking that you're weird, would it be worth it? If following Jesus meant losing some friendships, would it be worth it? If following Jesus meant risking your life, would it be worth it? Well, Daniel's answer was a big, loud, emphatic, yes! Daniel knew that nothing was more important than being friends with God. Daniel knew that nothing was more precious to him than knowing God. But I wonder if you've ever noticed how that story of Daniel and the lion's den finishes. Because it doesn't finish with Daniel being brought up out of the pit with no scratches on him, does it? How does it finish? It, it, yes, it f- finishes with the king issuing a decree. So the king of Babylon, not a believer, issuing a decree to the whole of his empire, millions of people, saying this, for he, Daniel's God, is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. I said, do you see what Daniel's decision to keep praying did? It resulted in millions of people hearing about how great God is. There's a reason why uh, the early, uh, some of the early leaders in the church said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Daniel's decision to carry on praying meant that this pagan king said, Wow, isn't Daniel's God amazing? Daniel's decision to choose the path of costly obedience was an act of courageous witness 
And it meant that everyone in the Babylonian Empire got to hear about how great God is. So what would people have thought about how important God is when they saw Daniel would rather be lying lunch than stop praying? Tells me praying must be pretty important to Daniel. And if Daniel knew that God's love was better than life itself, we have much more reason to know that. Why? Because there is another who was completely innocent and was thrown to a group of lions. But that one wasn't spared. The lions tore him apart. And he did it. And he was put as well in a place where a stone was rolled over the entrance to make sure there was no escape. And he did it for you, for me, so that we could enjoy the kind of friendship with God that Daniel enjoyed. And even more than that, because we have the gift of the Spirit living in us in a way that Daniel could only see far off on the distant horizon. And so I just want to invite us to stop for a moment. You might like to just turn to a neighbor and share with them, what do you think would help you to become more like Daniel? More ready to choose God over anything else, even life itself. So why don't we just take a couple of minutes. If you want to just reflect on that quietly, you can. If you want to share with those around you, please do. Let's take a couple of minutes to reflect.